1: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Saturday Morning Serial. As always, I am Dan Grimshay. Joining me, as always, is Marquis. Say hey, Marquis. Hey, hey, y'all. And we've got our special guest, our our third amigo, Johnny Heck, with us today. Hey, Johnny.
2: Greetings, gentlemen. How are you?
1: Well, you know, pretty good right now. But we might be about to get worse because... (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. We're, done it. We're, we're, we're just going to roll up our sleeves and do it here. We're doing a political show, everybody. Ugh. But don't, hey, don't, don't before don't. you all turn off the, our, our, our show, uh-huh. we're not here to espouse a political view. We're not going to endorse any candidates. Uh-uh. We're not going to get into the issues. Nope. But mm-hmm. Avoid
0: it, them at
3: all
2: costs.
1: Yes, which, which we like to do here. We would like to avoid them. But I, I, I feel <laughs> this crazy election year. There's so much out there in the media ether about it, it's kind of irresponsible not to at least acknowledge it. And what I want to talk about in this political spectrum is it's propaganda. There's a lot of propaganda. It seems like a mean word for it, but this show is propaganda. We try not to be political about it. We try and just keep our agenda on the show is just talking about pop culture Mm -hmm. and what we think of it. and. I, I would hope we don't even need to make a disclaimer, but these are just our personal views. We are promoting
3: a s- certain point of view, In- as Obi Wan told Luke.
1: Yep, and and we're and since we're putting it out there for the general public to hear, that makes it propaganda. I guess so. So we are propaganda. If if you well, are listening to anything on a radio or a television or a computer, it is propaganda. the The motives might be very innocent. It might just be informational. It might just be comedic. I like to think we're somewhere in between those two. Uh, But anything that you are given by the media is technically, I think, propaganda. But right now, with this election year going on, there's a lot of very charged propaganda, and you've got to have your your head about you. You've got to be listening with your ears open. Charging it, that's the key
3: because – I mean, saying that everything is propaganda is like saying everything we hear on the radio is English. I mean, sure, it is. Propaganda, as we understand it from the history books, we all see those 1930s Hitler films with the, mm-hmm. you know, when the swastika turns into the airplanes flying over the world, mm-hmm. you know. Uh,
2: and that was I American that was propaganda. Indiana Jones, actually. but That yeah. might have been Indiana Jones. <laughs>
3: but, uh, you know, um, Goebbels, Hitler, they had propaganda that started off – that started obviously very, very bad things. (laughs) And then the U.S. would promote propaganda that would get everybody excited about going over there and fighting that. Mm -hmm. It was like, hey, if we don't do something about this, then the Nazis are going to take over the world.
1: Uh, And you mentioned you read all this in a history book. These are all history books. One of the greatest carriers of propaganda – in in our history would be history books absolutely so you can't get away from the fact that propaganda technically speaking is everywhere so (laughs) I think it's worth it today we're gonna mention that we're gonna talk about the propaganda not the views Uh we're not here to tell you who to vote for we're not here to tell you you're an idiot if you have your own views we don't care if anything as an American I'm glad you have your own views please do Mm -hmm. that's the point of the damn country but if you're if you're putting your views together and you are listening to the media. You've got to be aware of it. You've got to be understand that you are watching and listening to propaganda. Well,
3: and it this this whole thing started for us quite literally on Saturday mornings.
0: Mm-hmm. You
3: know, um, I don't know if you guys remember Schoolhouse Rock. Uh, Schoolhouse Rock was literally a uh, it, it was a social contract that the media companies had with the U.S. government. You know, it was that the, the, the airwaves belong to all of us. And so if, if we're going to give them to you, ABC, NBC, CBS, if we're going to give them to you, then you have to at least provide some content that is educational for our people. Yeah. And so for us, we, um, for a lot of media, Saturdays were a dead time. And so what they would do is they would throw these educational Cartoons and programs on Saturday mornings when the kids were up and watching TV, mm-hmm. and we all remember those. How a bill became a law, and you know uh, what was the other one? Uh, uh, it was Conjunction Junction. Conjunction. I think there were there
1: were lots of them. Some some are more famous than others, but it was it was an ongoing series, and it was mandated by the government. Yeah, hey, you guys better make this this show for children that educates them with this kind of curriculum. That is as and, and blatant I don't, propaganda as well, you could make it. That I believe is textbook propaganda. I believe
3: that that is true because not once did it say anything about lobbyists. Not once did it say anything about c- political contributions. You know, so in this uh, example of how a bill becomes a law, <laughs> they don't talk about all the corruption and all the all the real juicy stuff huh. that quite literally makes
1: a bill become a law. You know, like so. We're or so all, I'm told from uh, well, from we all House have cards, etc.
3: Right? We we all have a very kind of um, uh, cherry-eyed view of our political system. A lot of it starts from those Saturday morning you know, uh, propaganda cartoons. Yep. Yep. Right? House Rock. Right. Propaganda. But something happened. Something happened in our media. Something something happened, and there's it, it appears that there was a concerted effort to change that. And you know we got to see this. Uh, we yeah. See this. Well,
1: I think uh, uh, I think what you're what you're fumbling for there is we saw a movie. Yeah. Recently called the brainwashing of my dad. Uh, lots of you out there may have heard about it. It's got a lot of coverage on I uh, think like the Daily Cause mm-hmm. and stuff. It's, this is a known film coming out. It's a documentary by a woman named Jen Senko. It's out right now. It's out right now. Uh, we had the chance to to watch it, and uh, I even got to talk. Kumasenko myself, and you'll all hear that very soon. But this is a documentary about her father, you know, as easy example she's using to tell the story of what happened in our media culture. Right. And specifically, she's talking about uh, Roger Ailes, Fox News, Rush Limbaugh, conservative talk radio, the rise of that, and how it changed kind of the uh, the, the public narrative. In particular, her father – she got you know had like a long commute when he was older uh started listening to rush Limbaugh changed his worldview altogether, and she explores that idea. She talks to some other people who have gone through that themselves or their their friends' loved ones uh and it 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 basically questions the propaganda why why would this worldview be out there? Why would Roger Ailes and such do this? What does become of it and what does it make the people listening more informed or does it just, you know, make them ravenous? Does it make them angry? Does it keep them from listening to any other points of view, essentially? And, uh, you know, everyone's welcome to watch the movie, come to their own conclusion. But I've always been wary of talk radio. Yeah, It is so easy to get sucked into that kind of and that is just full on Glenn Beck style propaganda.
3: Yeah. And I, you know, I, I used to listen to it when I was younger, you know, I used to listen to a lot of Limbaugh. I, I never was really that, that like into back. I wasn't really that into Limbaugh. But I'm just saying I, I heard it, you know, I heard it quite, quite a bit. I was, I was always a fan of, uh, of, of talk radio and all that. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm quite aware of its power. I'm quite aware of how pointed it is, you mm-hmm. know, and, uh, and it is, it's, I could see how people could be infatuated with it, you know, and I could see the danger there, you
0: mm. know.
1: Um, and that's that's the danger that we're talking about. Yeah,
3: yeah, and, 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 you know, uh, spoiler alert, you know, this film, it doesn't really, it shows how it makes you, uh, it makes you be not a very good person to be around.
1: Well yeah. yeah. You know it's what I mean? A, and that, that becomes her that's when she started making this uh this documentary, I think, is she was watching her father's just his personality change. Right. And he was he, instead of being this fun fun loving, slightly liberal guy that who raised her, she was watching him now go into this slide of just Every there's there's a problem with America.
3: There's this and that. There's, this they're that. coming for us. Yeah,
1: we've got to band together. South s o These S.O.B.s. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's exactly the kind of vitriol that the radio hosts spew, and then it suddenly starts coming right back out of the viewers' mouths. So, which is, of course, the the goal of
2: propaganda. Yeah, and that's that's when it can become dangerous when it's divisive. When the media drives the narrative and listeners and fans of these political shows on the left or right just start regurgitating these points of views because that's what they hear. They're just inundated with it, and it becomes dangerous.
1: Yeah, and and, and actually I'm glad you mentioned that, Johnny, that that there's – this isn't just an attack on the right wing. They've just had the most effective media campaign, I think.
3: They're just better at it. To do it,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah you know and there are there are those other people out there who are going to listen to what Rachel Maddow says and they are not going to listen to anybody else
2: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: i don't want to i don't want to point to one side or the other as being right or wrong again i just want to talk about the tools that they're using and they're using it on us
3: and you know and to uh to kind of tie it back into like the pop culture or at least from a artistic kind of perspective Go back to that. Let, let's all go back to our high school days when we were first getting into maybe a little drinking, maybe a little weed, and we're probably all getting into Pink Floyd a little bit.
2: High school, <laughs> high school <laughs> you're adorable. High school, and,
3: um, and you know, watch Pink Floyd's The Wall, and you know, you kind of see. I mean, to me, whenever I think of that of that of that film, and kind of what it was trying to say, and I kind of am watching the current political environment with our with our current uh, and yes, in this particular case, it's the GOP establishment and kind of what they're saying. You know, it's let's build the wall, let's build the wall, and it's showing you just like all these. You know, yeah,
1: you can you can see the hammers. I walking could see up. the hammers goose walking down exactly. the street. Exactly, yeah. I could
3: see the hammers goose stepping down the street with what's going on. You know now and it, when i was you know go back now we're pushing 20 years ago that i graduated high school actually, it actually is quite literally 20 years ago and that was like my biggest fear as it was personified in the pop culture of what i was watching at the t- and actually even then it was a little old yeah. <laughs>
1: but mm-hmm. but still that although again with bears mentioning pink floyd the wall is another piece of propaganda sure well.
3: sure uh, but it's it's showing you this is a vision of a world that is possible Um, and it's, it is warning you at a possibility. And now that I'm seeing it, I kind of know, you know, I, I'm like, it's, this is familiar to me now what I'm seeing. Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe that's kind of hinting at the kind of the good side of propaganda. If there is such a thing, if we want to define that as such. Um, but there is, there is no, there is, there is little doubt that what we're seeing right now in today's popular um political environment that this is basically this is the roosters coming home to, this is the chickens coming home to roost this is fox news that this is their monster this is what they have begun mm-hmm. and here we are yeah you know and if you're lucky you get to see your way out of this um before it's too late. <laughs> yeah. Before you go insane. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, you know, with that, there's this, there is this movie that's out there that's showing us that, um, there was a concerted effort to get you
1: to this position. Yeah.
3: It was, this was what they worked on. This or, was the plan.
1: At the very least, that's what this movie exactly demonstrates right. for us. This movie in itself, you can't escape the fact, is propaganda. So... I'm glad that you, you brought up the question of is there good propaganda, is there bad propaganda, right. because propaganda itself gets a pretty bad rap.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But since it is literally everywhere, you have to believe there is both good and bad, but where good. what is the line? And you know what? Jen Senko actually had uh, something to say about it. When, uh, when I talked to her about it, she mentioned how you can tell bad propaganda because of what it t- – oh, you know what? Why don't I let her say it? There we go. Before we get any further, Magic Interview Machine, let's go talk to Jen Senko about the brainwashing of my dad. Magic Interview Machine, get us over there. Meanwhile, let me let all of you out there know we're talking to Jen Sem- Senko. Am I saying that correctly? Senko, Jen Senko, uh, and a lot of you are probably already uh, familiar with the fact that she uh, she wrote and directed a documentary called The Brainwashing of My Dad. This is kind of heavy stuff. I saw it, and uh, I, I I don't want to uh, start this wrong. So first of all, I, I'll do a quick recap, and then I want to talk, talk to you about how I felt about it. Okay, sure. So everyone who hasn't seen it yet, uh, the premise being that uh, Jen's father started out going through life with kind of a, a, a liberal slant, to say the least, uh, got older, and and when Roger Ailes and Fox News started coming into the public consciousness, and uh, AM talk radio got very big, uh, we uh, we had there was sort of a cultural shift that's, that you talk about in the movie, and one of the victims was your father, who changed his entire worldview based on what he was hearing from Rush Limbaugh and the uh, and the right wing conservative machine. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but there is sort of a happier ending if the right-wing political machine is uh, bad news to you. But my personal reaction, and this is where I hope I'm not going to step on toes, but I feel like one of the big takeaways from the picture was a lot of the responsibility in, uh, in being a listener or a viewer in media is to come at it with a certain amount of skepticism.
0: So um, are are you saying that the listener or the viewer of uh, right-wing media should um, be more skeptical when they listen?
1: Well, I think think more, and maybe this is just, again, just me drawing my conclusion, but I think it's
0: Mm
1: -hmm. any viewer or listener, no matter what it is you're viewing or listening to, Mm -hmm. you should be a little bit skeptical. You know, numbers and facts sound great but you nobody who, who listens has the time to check out every number and fact that they hear so it should always right. be taken with a certain grain of salt is that is that kind of uh part of the message you were hoping to uh, to get out there
0: yeah um i i think we maybe must be taught how to listen um i Remember a class actually that I had in high school about how statistics were taken, and it really impressed me because um, it was saying you have to look at uh, who's making these statistics, um, <clears throat> where the finance is coming from. Um, <clears throat> pardon me, and um, um, that was really eye-opening. I think. I think we all tend to be passive viewers and um and uh that's an easy thing to fall into. Um because like Roger Hill said, you know, a lot of people don't want to think and <clears throat> just becomes easy to, to listen. So that <clears throat> that's part of the message. I mean I would hope that people um would, what they would, that one of the things that they would take away from the movie is um, being able to identify tactics that are used um, in this media uh, that um, do manipulate, pardon me, that do manipulate and um, you know cause cause you to react emotionally rather than um intellectually rather than thinking you know you're just you're on fire and you're angry and so you're in this state and so yeah i would hope that would be one of the takeaways that they would look at the the tactics and be aware of that
1: well i th- i think when it when it really kind of started uh when i kind of saw the the various layers to this was a was a certain point because this though ostensibly the the movie is specifically about your dad I think it's it's making the comment that you know society in general in this country we kind of had or are still have a rash of this and to illustrate that point, you had a lot of uh skype interviews with people who have who have noticed that same change in friends and family of their own
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I remember some of the uh the stories they were telling about these, these viewers and listeners getting so angry and so worked up and so closed-minded towards any other view that that was all they could hear. And stories like that, actually, while watching it, I started getting very mad about that. And I found myself <laughs> very upset that these a-holes out there on Fox and, uh, and, and AM radio are doing this, which is when finally it hit me, wait a second, isn't this propaganda as well? And is there such a thing as good propaganda versus bad propaganda, or is that entirely a, a, a perspective that one person has to decide on their own to take?
0: Well, that's a very interesting question, and, the, and I think it's valid. Um, and um, <clears throat> one difference with, with you know, what you're watching with me is that it is a movie, And that I do want it to be entertaining and that, um, a movie, um, you know, wants to make people feel emotionally. And yes, that with or without emotion, um, you know, it's going to drive you to, um, perhaps come to a conclusion or think a certain thought, um, think a certain way, but then you do have to evaluate it and say, okay, you you know, you're right. Like I'm getting really angry here, um, but do I have all the facts? And, um, you know, um, so you just have to, you have to um, realize like there's your emotions and then there's your intellect and you kind of have to like fact check your emotions.
1: Which that's a very hard thing to do. Mm -hmm.
0: Yes, it is. It's difficult. Right. But I didn't want to make a movie that was totally boring, either.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, someone who watched the movie, I thank you for not doing that. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Well, uh, well, one angle that I would like to talk about, because now that kind of got me thinking about uh, propaganda, and how, if you look at it, almost anything is propaganda. Some some is much stronger and much more obvious than others. Uh, but here on the show, we often talk about, we, we kind of flash back to our childhoods, uh, growing up watching uh, uh, cartoons on Saturday morning. So me and my producer got to talking about this yesterday in the sense that those old schoolhouse rock cartoons on Saturday mornings, I think on ABC, and how they were, they came out of a government uh, mandate to include, educational programming. And if and if you just sort of uh, disseminate that, you just break down that on its on its face, then the government was forcing propaganda on children on Saturday mornings through cartoons and that sounds very nefarious, but personally I love those schoolhouse rock things. I don't see anything evil or nefarious about it.
0: What is the schoolhouse rock thing? I mean I remember um cartoons on Saturday morning, but what's the schoolhouse rock oh
1: that was uh it was i think the mid late seventies a series of uh cartoons that were uh that were made to like educate about mostly there was a there was one all about uh uh conjunction junction I think where they taught kids you know a you know how to use conjunctions. Then there was a, oh. a very famous one about how a bill becomes a law through the government, and there were these oh. these fun songs, and, and you know it was all animated with these characters. That good. And I, you know, it's it that holds a special you know, place, and I think a lot of our culture's heart from you know everyone who remembers those. But mm-hmm. but then again, if you take a step back and like you say, kind of fact check your emotions, mm-hmm. it, you, you you can't really avoid the fact. Well, that's propaganda i don't and just the word propaganda makes me want to say well that's that's a sign of a regime somewhere but i don't well, i want to say that there is room for propaganda in the world
0: yeah that's right i mean propaganda started out as a good thing you know um <clears throat> it um basically um oh god i forget who the president was um wanted to get everybody on the same page for war. Was it Truman? I don't remember. So he said, in, it, we, we we have to, you know, change people's minds. And in six months, he was able to do that by pointing out why we needed to go to war. Um Sorry, that's so vague because I don't remember which president it was right now. Well, that's, but, I think um, there have been
1: multiple, actually. So, yeah, no, I, I take the point. Well,
0: yeah, you, yeah, um, and um, if the propaganda. I'm not saying that necessarily was good, but um, it it was intended maybe for good, but um, it it got. Um, It was obviously used for evil, like, you know, with Goebbels and, um, you know, Hitler uh, in World War II. And the government did decide um, to use propaganda. And I guess, yeah, you could say just about everything is propaganda. But, um, you know, at a certain point, you just have to say, well which kind of propaganda is more nefarious and um, more dangerous and more insidious and um, you have to decide for yourself you know what it's producing what that type of propaganda is producing in the case of like uh, Fox News and, and hate radio it's producing a lot of hate and um and division, and for what purpose? You know, you know who's behind it? Why is it happening? So, um, yeah, in a sense, I guess everything could be propaganda. But like I said, you just have to decide um, what is its purpose, and um, is it trying to teach you something valid, or is it, you know, what is the agenda? You know, where's it coming from? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, there's there is no scientific mathematical formula for how you can say, well, this is good propaganda, this is bad propaganda. But at the same time, I think there is um, – all right, well, I even considered not bringing this up, but since we are in the midst of an election year with a lot of kind of interesting things going on, I'm going to go ahead and mention a certain politician with small hands – <laughs> who is even riling the Fox base, you know, kind of rubbing Roger Ailes the wrong way with his – you, you have to admit it's very very effective propaganda, even if it's mm-hmm. just empty, bombastic statements that, that aren't actually getting him anywhere. Mm-hmm. As far as winning the populace, there's a big national conversation mm-hmm. going on, even with the vast majority of us who don't agree with this particular politician – but we all recognize this as very, very dangerous, very effective propaganda coming from him.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because I I think that um, Fox um, probably created him <laughs> and um, also created his viewers. And it's just sort of backfiring. It's like they created a monster. Like he's not supposed to... Actually, come out and say, Well, um, we hate Mexicans and we hate all Muslims. But, um, you know, like he, he didn't get the memo that he's supposed to be speaking in code. And um, that's why they're angry at him and it's starting to divide the party. Um, but yeah, it was like uh, they, they created a monster and they created people his following. You know, people who follow him. Uh, well, that,
1: well, does I that mean that. then that he, you know, in some other iteration, 16, 20 years from now, will Trump be creating a monster? Is there a worst version yet down the line that is going to get out
0: of his control? Hmm. That's an interesting question and one that I can't answer. I I don't know, but, but I... I mean, it would tr- have, we'd have to see what he turned out to be like if God forbid he became president. We'd have to see what he turned out like. you know, how bad could he himself get? you know:
1: no, I think and, I, I might even in in my mind, I think he's already made such a big footprint uh, that we're, you know whether he wins or not, I think it's going to shape. Everything that happens in the public arena going forward, you know I don't know if Fox is either gonna to have to step on the gas for the breaks once this is over to get their audience back or try and redefine their audience, but i i bas I think the genie's out of the bottle now,
0: yeah, that's a good way to put it, and it's bedlam it's like a, yeah. What?
1: Well, not I like I said I don't want to spoil the ending to uh to to your film. But there is if like yourself you take a more progressive view on politics and you were sad to see your dad slip into this uh you know, this zombie mode of of just uh reacting to what he's hearing in uh on on the radio. It turns out you kinda, Your mother was the was the smart one, sort of switched his meal a little bit, changed his feed, and it turns out he was able to swing right back to the other side. Or at the very least, it seems like he swung sort of to the middle, almost to make the whole journey worthwhile. And first of all, that's just more, I think, it just further underlines the power of propaganda. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, I don't want to be too personal, but where do you think... He was naturally.
0: Naturally, he was a very open-minded person, um, a <clears throat> very non-judgmental. I <clears throat> remember him when we were little. Just he was like he loved everybody. You know, we'd be like maybe walking down a bad street in a bad neighborhood, and he'd just start talking to somebody. My mother'd be like, "Frank, come on, let's go." You know. <clears throat> He, um, I think, you know, who can really say, but my impression growing up of my dad was that he was extremely open and accessible and just loved people and loved food and family and was not judgmental. I mean, my parents didn't even gossip. You know, I'd go over their kids' houses and, you know, their parents would be – gossiping about other people my parents didn't even do that so i i kind of thought of them as like when the hippie thing came in i was like oh that's kind of like my parents <laughs> mm-hmm. you know even though they they <clears throat> they wouldn't see themselves that way but i kind of did i was proud of them because i thought oh they're already on this page you know and um so that's where i, I kind of think he was naturally. Good,
1: good. I I have to admit, uh, you know, by the end, I was so happy to see him change, to see, you know, he wasn't judgmental. He seemed to be a lot more open to talking. Uh, so in, in my mind, because I already have this worldview, it seemed like a very happy ending, uh, it, at least to that narrative. Uh, so oh. I want to thank you for making it because it it more or less reinforces what I thought anyway, but it was a... Mm -hmm. It was a fun and frightening propagandic trip through propaganda.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know, the best thing about it is that in my last year, in his last years, he was not angry and not fearful. And he was back to himself, always whistling and singing and, you know, full of joy and love. And I just for that. I was just extremely grateful and I do attribute a lot of that to my mother who didn't give up, you know, who would send them these emails back, you know, with <laughs> sources and all kinds of things. So <laughs> yeah, I'm I, very grateful for that.
1: I did I did love that change at the end and I, I'm I'm glad that I, I made it there. Uh I'm glad that he wasn't wasn't so angry and uh he was he was he seemed much more receptive. Uh my condolences by the way. I noticed it wasn't very long ago.
0: No, it just yeah, it doesn't seem long ago at all. This is January January 21st. Thank you.
1: No, not at all. I, I I thank you for uh for sharing all of that with us. Sure. I, I think you know, we we as a society need to hear this anyway. Uh so yeah. For you to do it on in such a personal way. I, that that makes it a lot easier for us to watch and to connect with. So, you know, everything you went through, I think we are all going to benefit from seeing it. So thank you for that, Jen.
0: Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you very much.
1: Not at all. All right. Well, well, uh, I know we've only got a couple minutes left. So, uh mm-hmm. uh is is there anything else that you that you're doing? Is there a follow-up to this? Are you uh
0: Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I think it would be good for me to um, tell people that if they want to know where we're, you know, where it's screening, um, the website is www.thebrainwashingofmydad.com, and I'll list all the places it's screening. Um, and it's also sort of a repository. We've got all of um, the research that we used um, listed on there. Um, you can contact us. You could sign up for updates. Um, you know, uh, and get the word from us like as soon as it's playing playing or screening somewhere, um, then there's a the Facebook page we have. and um, so uh, and then it'll be out on uh, VOD uh, in different platforms um, on the 18th. And um, I don't know where you're located, but it's screening, it's having its theatrical premiere on March 18th, that's this Friday, in um, New York and L.A. And in New York, it's the Cinema Village Theater, and in L.A., it's the Lemley Hall Theater. So... um, if people are interested, come down. I'll, you know, we'll have Q&As. I'll be at most of them in Cinema Village. And um, <clears throat> I'll be at the L.A. one on a Saturday night.
1: Okay. Saturday. Well, we, yeah. we are out here on the on the West Coast, so if anything, we'll try and make the, the L.A. one. But I think... Uh, I, I had the advantage of being able to watch the movie, and I just had a personal Q&A with you, and I can tell everyone it's made me appreciate it more. So if you can go out and catch that in New York or L.A. starting uh, the 18th Friday, which by the time this goes out may have been yesterday. But nonetheless, mm-hmm. it's not too late to go check out uh, the com. You can find out more about this, and you can get it on the video on demand uh, probably by the time you hear this. It's worth it uh if if you are listening to this radio show right now you are already susceptible enough you are in danger (laughs) watch this we all have to build up our skepticism to a certain degree so thank you again jen
0: thank you so much john i appreciate it
1: not at all anytime anytime we can talk to you again would be great because i think what the work you're doing is either very important or you've made me think it's very important. And either way, <laughs> that's good propaganda, so excellent.
0: <laughs> Thank you. It's lovely talking to you as well. Chocolate and Chocolate
2: And the Chris thing you now in powdered and new chaka chaka. Chaka
1: chaka so that was Jen Senko uh do you guys do you guys feel like like we went a little too heavy there?
2: Oh, I don't think so it it's, its it's good to it's good to uh uh deviate a little bit from the normal Saturday morning cereal game plan, you know mix mm-hmm. it up a little bit. We're, if this is as political as we get, this I think is the we most. could chalk it up as a win. We, I, really, I hope yeah, this is
1: as political yeah. as we get. I but don't want to go any further.
2: I can't hear Marky's rant about. No, I'm just kidding. Well, <laughs> look, I, I've,
3: <laughs> I've been. I have run the the gauntlet of of political views and stuff. You know, like I I get it. I've been watching this stuff since I was a little kid. Um, I remember watching Meet the Press and then watching. Um, CBS Sports, like before the football games, like Sundays were, Sundays were Meet the Press for um, me. Even even minutes. when I was a kid, sixty minutes, right or um, Sunday. I, th- I think the show was called Sunday Today or something like that. Mm-hmm. So you know, I've always watched this kind of stuff, and it's always been a, a real big, a real big part of 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 my popular culture. <laughs> even though it was a little bit of politics, but what what's Im- what's important today is how all of this ties into our popular culture. And for that, we had to bring in an expert. We had to bring in somebody that could uh, show, uh, basically hold a mirror up to us and challenge us with if something's okay or not okay. So with that, we're gonna bring in, well, we're (laughs) we're gonna throw it over to you, Johnny Heck, because you have some examples of challenges in the pop culture that really make us face what's okay to like and what's okay to dismiss.
2: Yeah, you know, there's a line. Um, especially with celebrities, and I've always been of the idea that it, it is possible to separate the actor or actress from the art, their personal opinions in normal life versus their art on screen or in music or, or wherever. And celebrity and politics Especially uh, this being the topic of the show, has a long history. Uh, I could throw out a couple examples. Uh, we're gonna start. We're gonna start slow, and just to see what you guys think. Right. <laughs> okay. We don't. We don't want to get uh, uh, too crazy on the onset. But let's take a look at one of the most popular actresses in the world, Angelina Jolie. Oh. Uh, daughter of John Voight, known right wing guy. Um, sure. Angelina Jolie, uh, Goodwill Ambassador for the UN. She's a famous actress, director. She has 87 children. She's married to Brad Pitt, very well-known. Huge family. Um, Goodwill, activist, though. Activist. Activ- I think activist, activist is the word. Hmm. So does that affect your view? Will you go see an Angelina Jolie film because of her actions off-screen?
0: So, or,
1: or more to the point, will you not see or an Angelina Jolie film well, that but, you
2: otherwise would, but say, oh, it's got that
1: Angelina Jolie right. in it, I don't like her. But unless it's a movie <laughs> where she plays herself, isn't it all right to like it? Yeah. And I think there are a lot of other examples like yeah. that. I mean, Sean Penn, Sean Penn, genius actor, but if you don't like liberal politics, you don't want to read his name in the news.
2: Especially when you see Sean Penn in a in a boat in in uh after hurricane Katrina yeah. rowing up and down uh you know the uh like pulling uh, people
3: off he's basically bringing
2: people to the, like dry land well, he can he's only helping fit people two people in the boat because the rest were cameramen and mic operators <laughs> you know. and then yeah. you got a guy like Clint Eastwood man dirty harry z band's man who goes into the GOP uh, uh convention in 2012 and he talks to a, an empty chair and kind of looks like a lunatic to those on the other side, um, it, it, it was a little weird. And then we have a long history of our celebrities going into politics from Arnold, Jesse the Body Ventura, oh, Al yeah. Frank and Fred Thompson. I mean, hell, Ronald Reagan, obviously, the actor to president. Oh, Shirley yeah. Temple was an ambassador. I mean, so this is not something new, but I think their political careers don't necessarily derail their Hollywood careers. Arnold, governor. Acting again, Terminator. Terminator. Well, if you
1: say anything politically, you're probably going to capture half of the country. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's not about alienating everybody, but a better example: Adam Baldwin, uh-huh. Jane. Yeah. He well, he played the character of Jane yep. on Firefly, fan favorite. Uh, Joss Whedon, not exactly a right wing pundit. Not at all. His baby. He's. he's He's on the liberal side of things, even if he's not very politically active. Adam Baldwin, however, you can't shut this guy up on Twitter, and he loves to talk about his extreme conservative yeah. views and and the things that he says, he says as Adam Baldwin. Right. right. But he doesn't say anything as Adam Baldwin when he's playing Jane. Correct.
3: A character that we love. A character
1: right. that we love. Yeah. So at some point, if you are following Adam Baldwin on Twitter – do you start saying, you know what, I'm not, I'm I can't so be- sick of this. Not only am I going to unfollow this guy, but I'm not, I'm never going to watch uh, Serenity. I'm never going to, I'm never going to, I'm never going to appreciate the work that he did as an artist because of, well, I, I've decided he's a jackass in real life. Is that fair? I,
2: it, it can be. I think it depends. I don't know. I think it depends too. On, on the level of celebrity or a uh, level of body of work. Versus the batshit craziness factor. And and if there's a good balance, I think you could still appreciate their work. And it depends how, again, divisive it gets. It depends how crazy it gets. Um, And if you move out of the uh, political arena and you look at guys like uh, Robert Downey Jr., huge pre Iron Man drug arrest, rehab, waking up in strangers' houses, falling asleep in gutters. I mean, the dude was like a Hollywood pariah. He gets Iron Man, and you know he's paid less than Terrence Howard in this flick. Now he's getting paid hundreds of millions of dollars. He's Terrence le- Howard has been replaced, right? Oh yeah, yeah. John yeah. Cheadle <laughs> yeah. swooped in yeah. and said, you know, and replaced him as-, as Rhodey in the films, and he's making hundreds of millions of dollars now. So he went from you can't hire this guy ba- barely to now he's just stacking money. Uh, based Cassie entirely
1: Williams. on his performance in the movie, right? Yeah.
2: It's but not like that, he
1: went out and did some political interviews and got a bunch of rabid political fans to say, "Oh, I'm going to check out this Iron Man he, because he also I really like the the views of
3: well, yeah, and
1: it's, Robert and it's, Downey Jr.
3: I, and I would still say he is he's not a poster boy for drug rehab either, right? He's he is a guy that transformed his career that was on the verge of death. And in that redemption, he redeemed his own personal demons as well, like yeah. we all we all look at Robert Downey as a really good guy now, mm-hmm. and we would not have said that probably twenty years ago,
2: yeah, but before Iron Man, he's still the same guy you, uh, uh, actually, when he finally got clean before you know he did like kiss kiss, bang, bang, good movie mm-hmm. with Val Kilmer, then you know it's like, oh yeah, he has a drug problem, so maybe maybe more conservative people are like, "Oh, I don't want this Hollywood druggie to be Iron Man." a comic book character, take their kids to go yeah. see this guy who had a bad rep, even though he cleaned himself up. So they took a, a roll of the dice. Now Marvel is just just banking on him. He's played this character in six movies and counting. So it mm-hmm. worked. They took a chance on this guy. Um,
3: could he be just the, the best example of the modern uh, pop culture media kind of landscape? Because – Back in the old days, all these actors and stuff were doing you know, really bad stuff, sure. or or they were in the clo- they were closeted, you know, for their sexual preferences or whatever, you know, for 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 whatever reason. Back in the old days, they were getting arrested, they were doing things that you know publicly
2: they shouldn't have been doing, and everything was hidden. They got you a know? free pass, through. exactly. It so was never posted in the newspaper, right. in a Twenty four hour news cycle on social media, man. You do anything. You do anything, man. You, you throw a, a, a fucking rapper on the ground, and it's going to be on TMZ. Downey's, mm-hmm.
3: Downey's just a victim of the tabloid culture and, and the social
1: media culture.
2: Well, he's a victor
1: at this He's a victor at this.
3: You're right. Yeah.
2: But he came victim through the other side. But
1: now, since since we've moved away from the political edge. Yeah, we don't care about that. Let's go. I, I just want to put this elephant in the room to sleep then. Can we laugh at Bill Cosby?
3: Oh, that's the big one.
1: I mean, that's something I honestly struggle with because as a kid, I mean, uh, I had some anxiety. I had mm-hmm. I, I went through a little period there where I thought the world was full of people coming to get me. Mm-hmm. And I remember one of the things that I would do to calm myself down, go to sleep, feel better about the world was I had an old uh, cassette tape of a Bill Cosby routine. Yeah, I know that one. That I would love to listen to. Yeah. And it made me feel like, okay, the world isn't that bad. Listen to his laughter, et cetera. Well, of course, I had no idea what allegedly Bill Cosby was doing in his personal life. That was, you know, if if he's a serial rapist, that's not good. It actually paints the world as a pretty dark place. But does that mean I have to like go back mentally and say, do you I erase all
3: that? Yeah. Do,
1: could, Ugh. And if I find that tape and I put it in, can I not laugh at it? can I not enjoy it. And I want to say, no, that would be just fine. But then as a little intellectual exercise, I say, well, what if Bill Cosby was going to do a show right by my house Juicy tomorrow. $5 tickets, I sit right in the front row. A few years ago, I would have jumped at that. Right now, I have to be honest with you, I wouldn't go. But what if
3: he does the dentist bit?
1: Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, it's not enough. I'm like, I see, at this point I feel like I do have some social responsibility. Like I cannot I can't support, can't support this him. Guy.
2: That's a perfect... But
1: how, how... Does that invalidate m- how much I loved him growing up?
2: He's still funny. I mean, if you and look at his stand-up... There's look nothing at his show... funny about serial rape. No, no, <laughs> Damn no. it. Damn it, Johnny Heck. There's nothing <laughs> like, funny about that. I can never get... <laughs> <laughs> we got you there. No, you know, his show Heck was no. funny. His show was funny. You know, he was a funny guy. still probably is a funny guy, but he may also be a serial rapist. So do you... Can you take the man from the art? And I think the more egregious it gets, the more difficult it is. If we watch the naked gun and see Nordberg in that wheelchair go down the stairs and flip over, it's hilarious. Oh, by the way, OJ might might have murdered two people. So can we still laugh at that? Well, uh, Uh Look at the murderer that kicked in the nuts on the Uh naked gun. Is it still funny? Well, I'm I'm not sure. And you could
1: say when they made the naked gun even allegedly even he couldn't have committed those murders right. it was it was too soon they weren't thinking about that that right. wasn't the setup <laughs> it was just a guy getting kicked in the nuts and you go watch the movie it's still a guy getting kicked in the well, nuts well so
3: we we all did a uh, we did a show about Mike Tyson not that long ago and a lot of that show another good redemption story right we we glossed over kind of you know his valley you know which was the obviously again yeah. rape, convi- rape yes. conviction going to jail for rape um <laughs> It, there, there was, there was that. There was Kobe Bryant, which I was. I named my dog Kobe, mm-hmm. and then that happened, and I'm like, okay, that's the last time I name my animals. Was, <laughs> <laughs> real, you know,
2: um, my, my parent
3: OJ is
1: lived really, <laughs> yeah. yeah. for forty years. I can't get rid of it.
3: <laughs> so I just, you know, you just kind of feel like a dick, you know. Sure. But so, to answer your question, which I think. With, I'm going to try to answer this as best as I can, um, and this is to your to to uh, Grim here as well. I do I believe that you can separate the man from the art.
1: But do you mean
3: completely? Yeah, Bill I think Cosby you can.
1: playing a show right yeah. by your house. Would you go and see it? That's
3: they, different, though. That's different see? than well, that's different than acknowledging that the art is good. Okay? But Grim made a good point. I may not support it, but I may not support him. I may not want to put money in his pocket, but. I still acknowledge and I still laugh at what was incredible stand-up comedy. Bill Cosby was so good at stand-up that he would do it on a chair. (laughs) (laughs) That is – no one does that. That's how good he was. And it's if you were – you could go back. You could – I'll bet you two of three of us in this room could probably recite many of his bits. Yeah, yeah. You know. I'm not
1: going to do so though, right? Because I don't know how that's going to come out without the right, without the proper context.
2: Sure. Not something you would have to. worried
1: about a few years ago.
2: And look, great, at, check out you, Polanski. Go ahead. I'm, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. Well, when you mention Cosby, when you listen to him back in the day, right? Some of these allegations are decades old. So yeah, OJ did this thing after the Naked Gun trilogy, all that shit was done. But he, Bill Cosby, might have been doing this at the height of his career. During his TV show, during his stand-ups in the '60s and '70s and '80s, so yeah, so that might have been happening. So I, yeah, I guess right if, you know, after
1: he recorded that set that I listened to, he might have gone drug But hold on yeah. now, that's, but hold on now—that's now. fucking
2: sinister to think about. You know, yeah. and you're laughing at him because he's but a look, funny guy. The, the Rapees can be funny.
1: The only way that that
3: was—the <laughs> only way that I think that that is actually sinister—is if somehow all of that activity fueled the comedy. You know, so it's not really sinister. This is just another, if you can compartmentalize this, this is something that this person, who we're all human and we're flawed, and I am not excusing it. This is awful. I'm just saying this is something that this person did. That more than likely did not fuel the creativity and, the, oh, and sure. the comedy
1: that was coming out of this guy. he I don't know how the creative mind works, but all right, let's say. Let's say it wasn't. Let's say it wasn't. Hopefully yeah, not. Okay.
2: Before I get the negative feedback, rapists aren't funny. It was just a bad joke. <laughs> <laughs> My email is already full of your comments. So, But, you know, and you look at other guys to a lesser degree, when you say something pretty charged like Mel Gibson and his anti-Semitic rant that was caught <laughs> on video, Okay, he didn't kill a rape, but those are pretty terrible things he said, yeah. and and he had so much clout in Hollywood. Okay, we'll do Expendables three, and we will sprinkle you out and put you out in the Golden Globes, and he gets that half applause. People are looking around, like, should we applaud him? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Is this yeah. Okay?
1: That's like, and that's what we're all wondering. It's it, where do you draw that line? Because I got to tell you, in 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 practice, like I said, an intellectual game that I played. I would still listen to old Bill Cosby tapes without question. But if he were doing a show, I would not go there. So obviously there's a line between those two that I won't cross, and I don't know how to define it any better, and I hope I don't have to. But let's look at it from the other direction. Let's say Hitler was was a great actor. (laughs) Or really funny. I mean, in fact, let's say his paintings. Have you guys ever seen Hitler's paintings? They're horrible. I, I don't think they're horrible. They're pretty bad no i really i I don't think so, okay I think he's maybe i mean they may like not binocular. be great art or something, uh-huh. but they're accurate they okay. they are colorful they are to scale, they show depth so you like Hitler is what you're saying <laughs> see that's that's the question though if you like Hitler's paintings, <laughs> do you like Hitler does that make you a <laughs> nut? okay no, it does not okay, okay. okay. how right. about Uh-oh. uh Wagner wrote uh Ride of the Valkyrie uh-huh one of Hitler's best friends, major anti-Semite, someone who would would if if you could prosecute someone for music war crimes, he would. But can we still go without thinking of of one of the worst periods of the 20th century?
3: Cosby did Fat Albert. Would you if Fat Albert was available on Netflix and you had kids? Are you allowing your kids to watch Fat Albert?
1: Mm, Does good it still question. have? And Do you introduce a new generation to it, or do you quietly hope that the that Bill Cosby years just disappear?
3: Cosby also mm. used to do this thing where he would do like these drawings, and I believe it, this this also was a Saturday morning. Yeah, right? I remember that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he would do these little things, and it was there were like these little like these little lessons and stuff about mm-hmm. life. You know, mm-hmm. like the outward expression of the art from in this case Bill Cosby is one of understanding and, you know, appreciation and friendship. Uh, You know, this is the get-along gang, you know, basically. Um, Those lessons are still, I believe, very important to us as a society. You know, uh, these are voices. This this particular perspective, maybe not a voice, but this perspective
2: is still important and valid Mm -hmm. in the development of us as people. It's valid, but do we have to give it credence because they're a celebrity? Like I play this game, um, and I think I've told you guys about it. If if you like a celebrity that's politically active or active in society, go to their IMDB page, look up their first or second role, and then ask yourself, would you take advice from a person that started their career and ended their career as a guest star on The Facts of Life? Because that's what George Clooney did. If he would have yep. just done the facts of life and dropped off the face of the earth and goes on Twitter and tells you how to live your life, would you be like, "Oh, that's a good point." Thanks, guy who started on a sitcom thirty years ago. No, you tell him to, you know, shut his trap. But, but now that he's George Clooney, and now that he's he done, done that, that forever, he, does, he right. does have
1: a lot more influence. He's he's got a much higher profile than
2: the profile facts of life days and influence. But is he any more well equipped to offer his opinion than he was? on the fact of life, listening to Mrs. Garrett and trying to date Joe yeah. than he is from Ocean's Eleven and almost ruining the Batman franchise. I don't think so. He may be more worldly. He may be more egotistical or outspoken or verbose, but man, I think it's the same thing. But I, I don't
1: think he's using his actual roles or his movies to advance yeah. any of this agenda. Well, that and there is a difference. Did. Well, But that's different. that's not a role. That is he himself. And it is... It is taking advantage of a platform that he uniquely had, but I still don't think it's the same thing as a good example. You mentioned Kirk Cameron. Right. Kirk Cameron became famous playing a character. Max Ever. So that's how he got his name and was known. Since then, his career, he's very religious, Uh born again Christian. Now every project he does has something to do with that.
3: It's all like the end of the earth. He doesn't
1: doesn't show up in guest starring roles on the big bang theory. No, you know, he doesn't do other movies. If, if you see him in one of his projects, he is using that to espouse his view. So it's very easy to say, well, I just don't really like Kirk Cameron and I know exactly what he's going to be trying to tell me in any movie he does. So I choose not to watch that. Now, George Clooney you never know what he's – his his movie is going to have nothing to do with a well, with a liberal you know, mindset.
2: So when we th- see his movie, heck yeah. Heck Cameron, yeah. Heck, heck no. no. <laughs> <laughs> look, look what Travolta <laughs> tried to do with Battlefield Earth, you know, that yeah, L. Ron Hubbard, L. Ron Hubbard Scientology flick. You watch that and you're like, what is this? But then Travolta's here on the – Spectrometer or whatever the hell that I'm sorry Scientologists I don't mean to offend you but whatever gauge <laughs> they have and he's a guy like Tom Cruise and he's like L. Ron Hubbard incarnate and none of his movies try yeah. to get that point across so I think that's yeah. why he still has some credit and I'll go see the next Mission Impossible movie but if he stars in one of these L. Ron Hubbard stories man I'd,
3: I I really I don't know. think
2: it's it I works. the
3: I I think it's
2: there is some kind of formula, and I don't
3: think we're anywhere close to tapping into it here, but yeah. there is some kind of formula with the message or the position of the actor uh, or performer or whatever um, with the degree of talent that they have in projecting that said you know position um, or just in their overall talent. There's some kind of ratio that we're not able mm-hmm. to tap into. We, not that long ago, had... A best director. Hey, what's
1: up, man? It's me, Common Sense. I'm only butting in right now because I notice we've been listening to these idiots babble for about an hour now. And although it's been a lot of fun, and maybe they are very smart, I just need to reiterate you cannot take their point of view seriously, all right? We can take it with a grain of salt. We can maybe even do a little more research. Maybe it's, say, mattypradio.com or check out their Twitter stay classy SDCC or maybe even we subscribe to them on iTunes check out their long archive of shows listen that's fine if we do it right and doing it right starts with recognizing that all of this is propaganda and it's everywhere you turn on your radio you turn on your TV hell during the election year right now you turn on your phone and get in your Facebook it's propaganda from one direction or another Everybody's trying to sell us a point of view. But you know what? This is America. We deserve our own stupid point of view. So check out the facts, me and you, and come to our own conclusions. Er, no, wait. Actually, no, I think about it. That's exactly what these idiots on this show want us to do. Hmm skepticism is a pretty tricky thing too well all that being said I'm pretty sure this show has no facts whatsoever and it's just a big schlock fest where they even go for the cheap cutaways with a bad accent to cover the fact the main host is doing it blah blah I don't know it's a tricky world but we'll figure it out oh hey I think these idiots are finally ranowment for his professional so there obviously is there's no consensus in the public on whether or not we can. And I don't know if this discussion has moved it anywhere. I am just, I I, I do not feel that I've learned anything. I'm glad that we talked about it, Uh, but I'm no closer to understanding if it's all right to enjoy someone's work when you know you absolutely would disagree with them on a personal level about something other than their work.
3: You know, you have to find a way to separate the man from the art eventually, you know. Um, maybe there was a big problem with Picasso or Michelangelo.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. You know,
3: maybe there was.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
3: it really
1: doesn't matter when you're looking at David, right? I mean, it's... Well, it certainly doesn't now because he's so long dead.
2: And hopefully... Yeah, and hopefully that helps. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully years from now, when our fans listen to our show, they'll <laughs> forgive us for the crimes we're going to commit you know, <laughs> yeah. in the near future. Yeah. So,
3: yeah, you're right. I mean, maybe so. I mean, we just... You know things. We are not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. Who knows how that's going to be perceived? Um, All right. All right. Now,
1: now we're just falling down the rabbit hole. Okay, everybody. We're done being political. Thanks for tuning in. I realize we haven't solved any problems, but I hope we spark discussions because that's really what I think good politics are. Don't just listen to the propaganda. Fact check your emotions, everybody. Uh, and before uh, the polls open, I think that's about enough of this.
2: I agree. Vote or don't. I really don't care.
1: <laughs>
3: and maybe better you don't. <laughs> now we know. And knowing is half the battle. See,
1: oh, this is enough of this. Well, actually, it's not quite enough of that, because we couldn't let it go without being noticed that we lost one of the greats in comedy, especially if you grew up in our age group. Uh, Mr. Gary shanley passed away. Uh, March 2016, at the age of 66, Larry Sanders, the Gary Shanling Show. He will be missed, but always appreciated.
2: This is the theme to Gary Show. The theme to Gary Show. Gary called me up and asked
1: if I would write his theme song. I'm almost halfway finished. How do you like it so far? How do you like the theme to Gary Show? The music as you hear, as you watch the credits. We're all-